Welcome to Mandatory Fun, a podcast by a military wife reflecting on life. My name is Erin Stevens, and I've been a military spouse for over 10 years. In that time, I've lived all over the country, around the world, and now I've got some stuff to talk about. I have some kids, a pet, a rusty journalism degree, and a love of socializing and being sarcastic. I can be opinionated at times, but I like to call it passionate. I'm 36, but when I wake up in the morning, I feel more like I'm 50. This podcast is for anyone who's willing to listen, really. It's for other military spouses, spouses with partners who have demanding careers, people who are curious about what military military life is like, people who I've known along the way who miss hearing the sound of my voice, and my mom and dad who don't live nearby but wish I called more. I aim to entertain through stories and discussions about experiences I've had or am currently having. I plan to tell stories from my past, which may at times be unbelievable or, as my husband would say, slightly exaggerated. I hope to have guests who want to chat and share what they may know about a given topic. I also know how challenging life can feel and how lonely it can be when you're in a new place knowing no one. My goal is to reach out and maybe help make someone feel like they're not alone in their feelings and they'll make it to the other side. Let's be honest. When I'm sitting on my couch all day by my lonesome, watching The Bachelor or binge-watching Downton Abbey, I could use someone to tell me that they do that too, and it's okay. We can't all be Mary Crowley with her full life and many suitors, nor can we all be one of 20 women vying for the attention of one man while regaled in extremely expensive gowns and perfect beach-ready bodies. So, join me on this, my newest adventure. Maybe you'll see, or rather hear some of yourself in me, because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the best with what we have. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and I lived there for my whole childhood until I was 18 years old and went away to college. But in the time that I lived in Cleveland, I only moved house one time, and it was about 20 minutes from where I was originally. Well, I lived in another place that I don't remember because I was too young. But during the summers, starting from probably around second grade, I went to sleepaway camp every summer. Started out going three weeks, and then four weeks, and then I ended up going eight weeks. Now, as a kid, I was super excited. I loved it. It was great. Now, as a parent, looking back, I fully understand why my parents sent me to sleepaway camp because they had their entire summer to do whatever they wanted. But anyway, while I was off at sleepaway camp, knowing really not very many people the first years, I had to really put myself out there and make some friends. It was easy because you're put in a group of people in a cabin and you know you bond with those people, but still... It's something that forces you to go out of your comfort zone. I also did a little bit of acting when I was little. I know that if you know me, you will find this very hard to believe, but I was a little actress in community theater. Maybe if I had taken some voice lessons, I would have had some lead roles. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. So then I went to the University of Colorado. Again, far away from Ohio, but... I didn't know anybody, and that's part of the reason why I went to the University of Colorado, other than the fact that I wanted to ski. I made really great friends there. I did a program before college started, which put me in a group of 10 other people, and we did some hiking and whitewater rafting and rock climbing, and then those were the people that I kind of bonded with at the beginning to start freshman year. Well, meanwhile, I met my husband through one of those people, and we started dating junior year, and he was in ROTC which was my first example 
any connection with the military. I had zero knowledge about the military. And our first date was at dining out where you stand up and you salute the people walking in. And I felt incredibly out of place. But he was a good guy. He was an engineer. He knew how to braid my hair. And he gave really nice hand massages. So, you know, it worked out pretty well. After college, we had the talk before he went to pilot training. And we decided that we would stay together and see where it would go. So he went to Enid, Oklahoma, and I stayed in Colorado and got my master's degree because I needed something to do if I was going to follow him around. Um, I made some new friends through my master's degree program. Again, a new program, new people, forced to make friends. I was doing some student teaching, taking classes. It was really great, actually. It was a really good experience. Then my mom had the talk with Jake where she told him to shit or get off the pot, meaning if he was going to propose, he needed to do it before I went all in and invested my future in somebody who was going to move all around and I was just going to have to go with them. So he proposed, we got engaged, and then we moved to Tucson for my first military assignment. So Tucson is pretty brown. It's very different than anywhere that I had lived before. Lots of rocks. Lots of prickly cacti, lots of venomous animals. Kind of scary. Jake started working pretty long hours when we first got there. I was not married yet, so I could not get on the base. But there was a group of people that he was close with because he was working with them. And they had some girlfriends as well, so we hung out occasionally. But I felt pretty alone in those Tucson days. We were there for a total of 10 months, in which time I did some hiking. I worked as a waitress at Canyon Ranch, which was an experience that is an entire show all to itself. But I was a little bit nervous about the Air Force. I didn't know what to expect, and I wasn't learning a whole lot at this first assignment. Then I found out we were moving to Alaska. Fairbanks, Alaska, to be exact. Actually, 20 miles south of Fairbanks, Alaska, to Isleson Air Force Base. Unlike Tucson, Alaska was very green and then very quickly turned white because we got there in September. Oh, we drove from Tucson to Alaska, by the way, because we got married at the end of our time in Tucson and drove up to Alaska and that was our honeymoon. We camped. We stayed in some very sketchy hotels and motels. We had our dog with us, our puppy, who was chewing in the backseat all of our leather goods, but we were unaware of it at the time. But we moved to Alaska. First day we get there, we get to base, and it is Jake's first official assignment with an operational fighter squadron. He's going to fly the A-10. We get to base, and we have our dog, and we arrive at the gas station to fill up our tank. We had been driving for probably 14 hours that day, and we go to check in to the hotel on base, and they say there are no pets allowed. So at that point, Jake had lost his cell phone. We did not have a sponsor's phone number, and we were stuck there contemplating whether we were going to drive 20 more miles to go into Fairbanks, try to find a place to sleep, or what exactly we were going to do. So we ended up meeting up with a guy who was super nice, who just so happened to have everybody's number on base because he was the vice wing commander. And he gave us Jake's squadron commander's number, who put us in touch with the Irelands, who took our dog for the next week. Our dog that gave their dogs kennel cough, chewed up a very precious pair of mucklucks that were hand-me-downs, and you know, basically just wreaked havoc the first week that we were there. 
The good thing was that we met the Irelands. They became very, very good friends of ours. So maybe I didn't feel so alone right away, and it wasn't so bad. Plus, when I started to feel lonely in Alaska, I decided that I did need to do some things to make myself feel better. So I got certified as an aerobics instructor. I did some substitute teaching. I started knitting. I started painting. And I watched seasons of 24 in chunks of weekend marathons where we would order Thai food and just sit there and watch 24. No kids, no responsibilities. It was something that sounded like a great idea. Kiefer Sutherland and I were close. Um... I still had those moments where I couldn't quite figure out what I was doing with my life. I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I did have this close group of friends because we all lived on base, so that was really nice. But Jake went off to work, and I sat home, and sometimes I didn't get out of my pajamas, and I just didn't really know what was going to happen. Then we faced the first deployment. He was gone for four months, and he was gone in the middle of the winter. Needless to say, I got pretty depressed. There was no amount of knitting or painting or anything that could make me feel better. And of course, when they're gone, that's when things happen. We had a flood in our house, and the Air Force blamed me for the flood because, sure, I left my window open, but it was a balmy 40 degrees outside. It was just the way that the houses were built on base. Ruined my table, ruined the carpet, had to call for help. It was a real pain in the butt but just kind of accentuated how alone I felt. I got pregnant because I felt like I needed something to do. So Jake got back from the deployment. Two weeks later, I took a test and knew that I was having a baby. Nine months goes by, and I'm sitting there one weekend thinking, I just need to have this baby so that I can have something to do, some purpose, some focus, somewhere for my life to go. I had her that night, and... Then I realized that I would never sleep again. So that was a whole different experience. But two months later, we were headed to a new place, back to Tucson. It was hard leaving our friends in Alaska because we did make some really, really good friends. But the one thing that I really took from Alaska was that you really need to make an effort if you want to be happy in your own life. So back to the desert, back to a place that I think I know But the reality is, it's a completely different place the second time around. First of all, we're not living in an apartment. We bought a house. The house is about 25 minutes away from base. It's pretty far away from the center of town. It's also far away from a lot of the people. It is additionally far away from a lot of the things. We were 15 minutes to a close grocery store, 15 minutes to the nearest bank, 15 minutes to the nearest restaurant. So we were pretty far out there. It was a tough adjustment being that far away. We didn't know anybody the second time we went back. None of the people that were in Alaska were there with us. None of the people that were there in Tucson the first time were there with us. Now, people that we knew would start to filter in, but when we first got there, there was nobody that was familiar. Jake started working right away. I had a new baby, and I just felt a little bit isolated. I did start to go to squadron events, but again, with a baby and being so far away, it was hard to really feel like you were a part of anything. Plus, Jake was working crazy hours. He was trying to prove himself at work. So there wasn't a lot of time for me to have to myself, for me to have, you know, to go out at night. I didn't have a babysitter, and we were really far away from family or anybody that we knew. One day... I was feeling really upset. 
you know, I was in this new community. I had moved from a base situation, so all of my friends were really close by. If I needed a potato, I walked across the street. If I needed a cry, I walked, you know, to the house next door. It was always, there was somebody there. And now I was in this neighborhood, and I didn't know a single person. But I saw this girl walk into our house, and she was pregnant. Saffron was about eight months old at the time, maybe a little bit older. So still felt a little bit intimidated to just walk up to somebody. But I walked up to her and I knocked on her door and I said, hi, my name's Erin. I live down the street. I have a baby. She's about eight months old. I see that you're pregnant. And I just wanted to let you know if you need anything or if you need any stuff, then I have it and I'm here for you and, you know, whatever. She was super nice. Her name was Katie, and she was born and raised in Tucson. So she very politely said, you know, I'm good. I have a lot of family in town, so I've got all that stuff covered. But maybe once the baby comes, we can get together for a play date or something. So a few months later, Katie invited me over for a play date at her house. She introduced me to another mom on the street, and basically that was that. For the rest of the time we were in Tucson, I had very, very close friends nearby. So it didn't really matter what happened because I always had those shoulders to cry on and the people to vent to. They weren't military and they didn't always understand. But the reality of the situation is it no longer mattered where I was. It was who I was with. I had made very good friends and they were there to support me. Then Jake left for his second deployment. By this point, Saffron was two and a half years old, and I realized that I did not want to stay in Tucson by myself for seven months with a two and a half year old child. So I went back up to Cleveland and lived with my parents for six months. It was a great idea. It was the right thing to do. I brought my dog with me, and it was perfect. I made videos for Jake every month. I had a community of people, and most importantly, I didn't have to wake up every single morning at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock when Saffron would wake up because my parents were there and they would always help me out. When Jake got back from the deployment, I went back to Tucson and then he got a new assignment, but we were still in Tucson. So this is when it got a little bit tricky. I had made all of my friends in the squadron, but I still had to switch to a whole other community within this community that I was already in. I was no longer invited to the things that the other people were a part of. I was a part of the new squadron, the new community. I was forced to start over again in a place that I had already lived for three years. Plus, at this point, I was again feeling like I was just a mom. What's my purpose? I'm not really doing anything. Oh, I should probably mention that when Jake got back from his second deployment, I had another baby. (laughs) So there's a trend. Every time Jake deploys, I have another baby. But, you know, maybe not this time. So... Now I have two kids. I'm far away. I have my community that's in my neighborhood, but they're all from there. So they all have their families. So I still feel like I need a military community around me. I started from scratch and I made those friends and I built it back up again and it was okay. I started a play group. A bunch of us were pregnant at the same time, so we were experiencing the same things. So I thought, well, maybe we can band together, and if we are all in this together, then we can make it happen. So we made it happen. And then, again, we were told we were moving. Our time in Tucson was cut short. We left a year and a half sooner than we thought we were going to because whoever was in charge at the time decided that nobody could be there for more than three or four years, and we'd already been there for four and a half. So our next move was to Monterey, California, 
because Jake had gotten an exchange assignment to Germany as an exchange officer, non-flying, and he had to go to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey first. So something else I should say before I move on to this next chunk of military life, which takes a completely different turn in a totally opposite direction. My friend Heather in Tucson was a military friend that we lived in Alaska with, and then they moved down to Tucson as well. Heather was my lifeline when I was in Tucson. We did stuff together all the time. Her son was just two months younger than Saffron. I mean, literally all the time. I would invite myself over to dinner at least five times a week, and she totally understood everything I was going through. But like most things in the military, people move, and Heather moved before we did. So again, pretty lonely feeling kind of that sense of being alone and having to adapt to yet another change. But again, a year and a half later, we found out we were going to California. So Monterey, California. Now, if you've never been to Monterey, California, it's on the coast. It's about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. It's right above Big Sur. It's just north of Big Sur. And it's near Pebble Beach, Carmel, Carmel Valley, and basically the nicest and most expensive place to live in the United States. It was surreal that we got to live there at all. We were only there for 10 months, but in those 10 months, boy, did we live it up. Again, I didn't know anybody, but we lived on base, which wasn't really on base. There was no gate. It was a totally different feel, and it had every single branch because between DLI and Naval Postgraduate School, every single branch of the military was represented. So we made friends from completely different backgrounds and completely different places with completely different military experiences, and it was really interesting. We did have some good friends that we made that were on our street. Our daughters were pretty similar ages. We hung out with them a lot. But you know what? Honestly, when we weren't with our friends, we were with the sea otters and the sea lions and at the aquarium doing some hikes, going out to amazing restaurants. It was just amazing. I mean, I even started running when we lived there and I had never really run before, but it was so picturesque and beautiful that I decided that I would run a half marathon. So... That's kind of what I did while we lived there. I trained for a half marathon. Honestly, at that point, I could not believe our good fortune. I couldn't believe the military sent us to such an incredible place. Jake's work schedule died down a ton because he was just taking classes, learning how to speak German, and we were together as a family a lot of the time. Then we moved to Germany. Germany was a very scary place. I did not speak the language. I did not know what to expect. I did not know a single person. I did not have any guidebook to tell me what was going to happen, nor did Jake, but at least he spoke the language. When we first got there and started looking for houses, we realized that the houses don't come with kitchens, nor do they come with lights. So compounded by the fact that we didn't speak any German, now we had to go design and purchase a kitchen while speaking German, get lights, while speaking German, and do it all with the grace and ease of a military spouse. I also did not have a single friend. My children were young. My daughter Saffron luckily was in kindergarten, or EL5 as they would call it at the school that she went to. It was an international school, and it was filled with tons of people from 69 different nations all over the world, completely different cultures, and I felt like a very small fish in a very big pond. 
I didn't really know how I was going to break in. I didn't know how I was going to meet those people that I would become close with. They were from other places, and I didn't know that they'd want to get to know me. What did I have to offer to anybody? I was lucky enough to meet a woman who was there before us, whose husband was also military, but they were on their way out because my husband was on his way in. She introduced me to the group of people that would come to be known as my group of friends, and boy, did I luck out in every sense of the word. But I have to say, it was a good six months of being depressed and sad and crying and telling my family how miserable I was and telling my husband how miserable I was before I really got into the groove of living there. Once I snapped out of it and decided that I was going to make an effort, I got really, really involved. I got involved with my friends. I decided that anytime anybody asked me to do anything, I was going to say yes to it. I got involved in the school. I ended up being on the board of the parent volunteers. I ended up being the chair of the parent volunteers. I was active in an adult choir. I helped write for the school magazine. I helped lead a fitness class every Friday. I was a part of a running club. And I finally felt like I was kind of using my skills to make a name for myself. I was writing, so I was using my journalism degree. I was speaking publicly, so I was using my broadcast journalism knowledge. I was in a school and I was involved with the teacher, so I was kind of using my teaching certificate a little bit. I just really felt like I had gotten into my groove. Plus, we were traveling all around Europe for three years. It was incredible. My husband was around to be a coach for our daughter's teams. It really was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. But... This too had to end, and we found out that we were moving to another new place, which was Valdosta, Georgia, from Germany, which could not be a bigger change. Needless to say, moving away from Germany was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I had established this group of friends, and unlike before, these were friends that live all over the world, so I wasn't sure that I was ever going to see them again. So saying goodbye this time, I really felt like I was saying goodbye with some finality, and it really, really was devastating. Plus, I had all of these things that I was doing, that I was involved in. They were all voluntary, but it still made me feel like I had a purpose, that I was more than just a mom, I was more than just a spouse, I was more than just the thing that I had grown to become so far in this lifestyle. But we had to move. It was time to go. So we got on a plane, and we moved to Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta, Georgia, which is where we live now. So in terms of the physical move this time, it wasn't so bad. Our house had a kitchen built in. Our lights turned on and off as soon as we walked in the door. I had closets again. We were in a neighborhood with sidewalks. Everybody spoke English. It was pretty easy to communicate. I could hook up my internet by making one phone call and understanding what the person on the other end of the line was saying. I knew all of the restaurants. I was familiar with all of the stores. And grocery stores in the United States are pretty amazing compared to grocery stores in Germany. Everybody was friendly to the point where I could not believe that everybody was so friendly. And, you know, we kind of just started doing our thing. Our car had been on a ship that caught on fire. That was a little bit of a hitch in the plan. So we had some rental cars for a while, which complicated things a little bit when we first got here. But we were here. We made it. Our kids were here. I registered them in schools. And we just got on living. The thing is... 
it was a very tough transition culturally from Germany to the United States in terms of the kind of community that I had been living in. I had been walking into a school building every day, seeing people, having adult conversations, being active, and now here I was, again, not really knowing very many people. I didn't know anybody in my in my immediate neighborhood, and I just felt that incredibly lonely, heavy, dark feeling creeping in again. Because it didn't matter that I already knew some people that lived here. I just felt like... Once again, everything that I had worked for, everything that I had worked towards really meant nothing. My husband was working long hours. My kids were now even at school during the day, so I didn't feel like I had that purpose anymore. And I just felt super depressed. I was longing for something that couldn't exist anymore. Saffron kept asking me why I couldn't be more involved in her school. Why wasn't I there? Why didn't I know the teachers? Why didn't everybody in the school know her? It was very difficult to explain to her that life changes and things are constantly moving and shifting and that that's how her life is always going to be, at least her childhood. Then six months went by. I started getting a little bit more involved. I started coaching girls on the run. I started sewing. My kids got more settled and more adjusted, and I really started to feel like I was finding my place. I even decided that I would start this podcast. My group of friends are coming together, all of my activities are coming together, and I'm even starting to teach a Tabata class again this Friday. So I'm creating my community again. It's something that I never thought would happen, but again, it's happening. It's just the nature of what it is. So we're not done with this military life yet. We probably still have a couple more moves to go. But in retrospect, and from a very good place of having just moved and just feeling like I'm reaching my groove, There are a few things that I've learned, and it's kind of nice to reflect on these. So, what I've learned. You can make friends and a life anywhere. It's not about where you live. It's about who you're with. Don't get me wrong, living somewhere nice definitely makes it easier. But the reality is, if you surround yourself with good people and you are open and honest with those people, then you will have a community and you will make your life so much better, so much easier. Your moves will be smoother. You'll have help when you need it. And you can ask for help because you'll have those people around you that you feel comfortable asking for help. I always say yes. I did this in Germany. I have had to do it here. You just say yes. It's so easy to move to a new place and to stay in your house and to go inside of yourself and to be so insular, especially if you're a quiet person, which I'm not, by the way, but I understand that there are some people that are, and it is a hard thing to put yourself out there, and if you get invited to something, to say yes, but if you say yes, then things start happening. People start inviting you more. You meet more and more friends. You may make that connection with that one person that's going to make where you live so much better for you, no matter how long they're there for. It's always a good idea to take initiative. I took the initiative walking over to Katie's house. I took the initiative getting involved in Germany. I took the initiative initiative coaching girls on the run. And now I'm taking the initiative starting this. It puts me out of my comfort zone, but it gives me focus. I have something to do. I have somewhere that my life is going. And now when I reflect back, I will have had this as a life experience. You have to be open even though you may not want to be. I don't have a lot of similar views as a lot of other people in the military. 
but I'm open to other people's views. And as just as I'm hoping that they're open to mine, I'm open to trying new things. I'm open to moving new places. I'm open to trying new food. And I'm open to learning a new language. If I had blocked even one of those things off, I would never have been happy in any of the places that I've been so far. You have to give yourself some time to adjust. I know that it takes me six months. Six months, for the first six months, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I'm complaining. I'm depressed. I'm calling my mom and crying. She's telling me the same things over and over again, the same things she tells me every time I move, but I can't even hear it. I'm just so in myself. I'm so in my head. But six months goes by, and all of a sudden, it's like this light goes off, and I think, okay, I'm here. This is the hand that life has dealt me, and I have to make the best of it. And the reality is, things start to get better after six months. You know your way around. You don't need to use a map anymore. Well, who uses a map? I mean, really, you use a GPS. But anyway, you don't need those things anymore. You are more prepared and you can start living your life. You have to laugh at yourself. You have to laugh at yourself when you're crying. You have to laugh at yourself when you're trying too hard. You just have to learn to laugh at yourself. And you have to be grateful for the chance to reinvent. Every time you move, you have a new opportunity to be who you want to be, to start new things that you want to start, take on new projects, make new friends, and just kind of decide what pieces of yourself you want to put forward. I realize that no two people can ever have the same experience. If I've learned anything, it's that we're all unique and that that's a good thing. My crazy is not your crazy, but we all look up at the same sky. Wherever you are right now, In the middle of a move, in the same city you've always lived in, getting ready to go on a vacation, recovering from something difficult, I thank you for listening. I hope you tune in again next time. Now, with something I do at the end of every episode. Well, I will do at the end of every every episode because this is my first episode. Something to make you laugh. You'll never be as lazy as the person who named the fireplace. And on that note, this is Erin signing off. Till next time, may your life be full of mandatory fun.